Welcome to See You on the Other Side, where the world of the mysterious collides with the world of entertainment. A discussion of art, music, movies, spirituality, the weird, and self-discovery. And now, your hosts, musicians and entertainers who have their own weakness for the weird, Mike and Wendy from the band Sunspot. Hey, I'm really excited about today's episode, guys. Yeah. And I will tell you why, because I've been waiting for this movie for years. And yeah. Like, some people get excited about the new Star Wars movie. Some people get <laughs> excited about the Marvel superheroes. We're talking about our own paranormal superhero, Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins. <laughs> Demon House. Demon House. Yeah. <laughs> really. He is the guy. Okay, joining us today, obviously it's me and Wendy Lynn. Hi. And also Allison from Milwaukee Ghost. Say hello. hello. And we got Scott Marcus from whatsyourghoststory.com. Hello, Scott. Hey, hey. Hey, guys. All right. Let's set up a little bit about the Demon House, shall we? Number one, 2012, we start getting stories from Indiana about this strange reports of possession and exorcism happening to a, a, a family in Gary, Indiana. And this makes the national news. Do you guys remember when this happened? Yeah, it's the wholesome home of mm-hmm. Michael Jackson, I of do. course. Gary, right. Indiana. And it's right in the Midwest, kind of near us. And we've driven through Gary a thousand times, Mike. Right. Oh, Just for the scenery. Christ. With the pedal to the metal. <laughs> On tour. <laughs> right. No, but um, it is not the type of town that you expect national news to come out of, I guess. <laughs> National news of the non-murder variety. Of that nature. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm, it was all exciting because, like, come on, there is a exorcism happening in Gary, Indiana, something that's making the news. So we got to hear more about it. And definitely it was covered by the Indianapolis Star. And uh, they really cover it well in their kind of, um, it's a, uh, a blanket story that maybe covers the entire thing called The Exorcisms of Latoya Ammons. And Latoya Ammons is a um, a young mother, a single mother living in Gary, and she's got three kids: a twelve-year-old girl, a nine-year-old son, and a seven-year-old son. And some we- very weird things start happening in this house she lived on on Carolina Street in Gary, Indiana. And so, when you when you guys first started hearing about this story, uh, what kind of is there anything that particularly struck you about it, or that you were like, this is really an interesting case or something that either sounds crazy or not crazy? Well, yeah, I, I was excited about it because I have done a little bit of research about Midwestern exorcisms and possessions. And so I was like, wow, it's happening again. And uh, I, was, I was like, the part about the social worker and others in the medical profession uh, witnessing uh, one of the sons walking up the wall backwards. And I thought yes. that was compelling because it reminded me <laughs> yeah. of Terrifying. descriptions of other possessed persons uh, from the past, you know, being, uh, you know, having to be dragged down from the ceiling, like um, the Earling exorcism um, in Earling, Iowa in 1928, reminded me of that uh, exorcism case, which we should put, um, and we talked about it, so we should definitely we, put that one in the show in we the did, show notes. We did talk about it in uh, our exorcism episode, about the episode of Carl Saiga. Oh, we talked about it in, in that episode. Yeah, and, and is, that, I think that, in the Blad- Earling, Gladster Minnesota. Oh yeah, because it inspired the movie The Exorcist. And also, wasn't that uh, taken care of by the exorcist extraordinaire? Uh, Theosophus Riesinger? Yes, Theophilus. We love Theophilus Riesinger. Yes, the the greatest Wisconsin exorcist of all time. Yes, Wisconsin's warrior priest. That's what uh, who, his his uh, compatriots. Father T. Money. Yeah, we we admire him uh, very very much. But okay, the thing is, 
Um, so this starts making the news, and Allison, you're absolutely right. That's the one thing that separates this story uh, from the regular thing you read in the Daily Star or the National Enquirer is the fact that uh, a police captain in Gary, Indiana, says that a strange thing happened to him. The social worker who went to investigate the case, she's freaked out by it, and she says she sees weird things. And that's the thing, is a lot of times when people talk about possession and their kids are acting all crazy... It's due to some kind of abuse or things happening in the family mm-hmm. where the kid's acting out and they blame it on, on the devil instead of just uh, taking well, responsibility. Crazy... Absolutely. And so what happens in 2011, we'll give you a little backstory and then we're going to get to the movie because I know everybody here is probably listening. Like they're waiting with bating breath for <laughs> the, uh, the masterpiece of cinema that is Demon House. <laughs> <laughs> It is available on what Google, Mike? Yes. So where did you get the movie? Uh, we got it on Google Play because we were staying. Uh, we'll get to we'll get to that because actually, okay. we made. I Demon just want House people fun. to know that they can watch it. It is available to watch. It's not in the theaters, so, but so yeah, if they want to, they can pause this, watch, <laughs> watch it, it and pick <laughs> exactly, up and right come here. on back. And we, in fact, we encourage it. Uh, you can rent it yes. for like six bucks. Um, don't bother with the HD. SD is fine. Uh, you don't need to see close-ups of Zach Baggins that much. But the Speak thing is, is that uh, you can get a Google Play, iTunes, everywhere. Or there's, I think there was a, a few cities where it actually was playing in the movie theater. Right. Um, so you can see a 25-foot-tall Zach Baggins as he takes on the <laughs> devil personally. Oh. and Well, then how big is the demon? If the demon was supposed to be 12 foot tall, you know, <laughs> right. in meat space, you know, in cinema space, how tall is that? That's you don't huge. You don't even... You don't even see the demon's head. <laughs> so the screen is so big. And it's so, so terrible. You wouldn't want to see the demon's head. So terrible. Like a cloaca. So, <laughs> what starts happening in 2011, they say they move in to this place. And uh, this is what Latoya Ammon said, that she moved in and like the first week, um, there's an infestation of black flies. And of course the devil, you know, Flies are associated with demonic things because they're just associated with feces, putrid, filth, yeah. unclean, yeah. the unclean creatures. Right, the devil. Also, I mean, that's the you know they call that pig's head and the Lord of the Flies, the Lord of the Flies, specifically because that was a name for the devil. Um, and so the black flies start infesting the house right away. And she says, and she lived there with her children and her mother. Okay. So we've got four people living in, um, I'm sorry, five people living in the house, the three children, their mother, and her mother, all living there. And um, it's, it's basically the people telling the story are LaToya and her mother, and they say they can't get rid of the flies. And, and that's, that was a thing in um, Amityville as well. I was, was going to say, yeah, Chris Quarantino talks about that, and, and he says that, yeah, we had flies, but it's nothing like what you saw in the movie. He made it sound much more oh. like a natural occurrence. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I was like, man, we had some to. crazy flies. <laughs> okay, yeah. so, so Chris Quarantino, just so you guys playing along at home, he <laughs> is uh, a member of the Lutz family, right? Yes. Yes. Okay, so he's the youngest member of the Lutz family. So he was seven years old when all the Amityville stuff went down. And that's actually one of the things that uh, Zach Baggins talks about. In the intro to the film, he says that this might be one of the most haunted houses since the house in Amityville in the 1970s. Uh, okay, we have different... Zach Baggins is pretty good, Mike, but you got to slow it down just a little bit. <laughs> there, there's a little, little too much Keanu Reeves in there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> but it's good. You're close. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> That's Keanu right there. I mean, there are various opinions on the Amityville house, whether it's a real thing or whether it's a hoax. Interestingly enough, some of the things that people use to disprove the Amityville is that the author had all the, uh, when he, Jay Anson, when he was writing it, that he had some of the details wrong. Like he'd say on this particular night, the moon was full. And then people said like, there was no full moon. There was no moon oh, that night. Oh man, That's an easy one too. Yeah. Right. But Jay Anson, I'm reading some stuff um, that he, I mean, he died in like 1980 of a, of a heart attack. But he, he's talking about his writing process and he goes, I, I didn't even pay attention to that kind of thing. Like he was doing creative, um, he had like a creative license on some of the descriptions and everything. And he was just going off of hours of transcriptions of interviews. So Okay. And then he was painting a picture around it that was 
maybe less than truthful. Right. Yeah. And so the, go ahead, Alex. I, I, I just wanted to interject, you know, with the whole Mothman thing. And you can see more of my videos at youtube.com slash Mothman. Uh, okay, get the plug out of the way. <laughs> get the plug out of the way. But, but anyway, that's, that's one of the things that I ran into with investigating the different re- uh, accounts of the uh, Chicago Mothman was um, the facts not matching up. Is, you know, it's like, is there a full moon? The, the report says there's a full moon. Nope, there's <laughs> there wasn't a full moon that night. You know, like just matching up the basic facts didn't work so why would you believe the rest of the story so and and then we found out from um madeline kate uh, from the the another plug from the video podcast measuring the circle when she interviewed uh lon strickler that uh he he admitted that he will rewrite the stories to make it a you know, a more interesting narrative. So, you know, mm. herein lies the problem. That is the difference between someone like Jansen, who was a novelist, who's not an investigative journalist, yeah. who's not creating something in order to make you believe it. Like maybe, uh, like I feel like John Keel when he wrote the Mothman Prophecies, that was something he was trying to do. And we will talk, I mean, the, the reason I think that this kind of conversation is important because what's Zach Baggins trying to do here? Yeah. You know, is this, is this an investigative journalistic movie? Because that's part of what sells it for us. The fact is, it's a real thing. He's going to a real place. Yeah, reality this, TV. That's where he's right. supposedly from. How much reality so, is really in it? So, so when these guys talk about, well, we were just, you know, adding some uh, embellishment in order to make it scarier or whatever, you are completely ruining the verisimilitude for it. Um, oh, nice word. <laughs> Thanks. I swallowed a dictionary before the podcast. <laughs> Thirty points I for you. I swallowed a thesaurus. But but that's the idea that they're ruining it for us because we want to have mm. it as real as possible yeah. in order to get as scared as possible. Right. Um, so it's a sticky wicket for sure. But adding a little creepy music in the background. Oh I yeah, mean, that's a good point. I'm okay with that. Like where, where's the line there? And, and I, I do get it as you were articulating about a novelization versus a, a police report style thing. And uh, getting back to uh, Zach and Ghost Adventures, I'll, I'll say I've seen just about every single episode ever released of Ghost Adventures. And Scott's a big fan of the Kajuzo. Yeah. No, I think I sense a pro uh, crush. I'm hooked. <laughs> Come at me! I, uh, Come at me, I man! Mean, one of the fun things is to watch it and laugh at it as we had a a fun time doing in austin when we were watching demon house but one of the first episodes of ghost adventures i ever watched the one that i think hooked me was uh, an investigation of preston castle it was this uh kind of reform school prison for underage kids in uh, the bay area in california and it was this like big gothic building up on the top of the hill actually it still still stands and I thought, oh my gosh, well, at the time I was living in L.A., I want to go up there, find this place, and, and look around myself. And as it's depicted in Ghost Adventures, it's this isolated building, far from society, up on the top of a mountain. You look on Google Earth, and you're like, no, it's in the middle of a subdivision. It's not isolated at all, which, you know, when you start to, even though they maybe didn't say, but they gave the appearance. Mm-hmm. They made it seem a certain way. And when you can debunk something that's that easy... You start to wonder about anything else. Yeah. It, it, the physical traits of a place. Okay. If you're going to lose my faith at something so basic, how are you going to let me make a leap of faith that Zach is getting possessed here or right. something else right. extraordinary and, is happening? And how do we get to anything real in, in the midst of so much nonsense in the air and everywhere? I mean, <laughs> as investigators, I think... We really want to get to the truth, and it's really super yeah. hard to get that to get to that one. You know, everybody is invested in the power of story. I, you know, we understand that. You know, as uh, you know, being involved in ghost tours, but you know, again, where do we draw the line? Where does truth come into this? Because people are watching films like these, and you know, thinking that's what they're getting is the truth. And you know how how well, do you that, how do you balance narrative and uh, reality? Well, I think that uh, news magazine shows do it very well every single week. So we have a template on how you balance reality and the story with uh, sixty minutes and twenty twenty. I don't even twenty twenty exists anymore. Well, twenty twenty uh, is the murder of the week. Dateline, twenty twenty and Dateline too. too. Yeah, yeah, they're not the what they were. for terrifying you. But the murder of the week <laughs> is kind of what 
let's not delude ourselves that we're not dealing with salacious stories and things like that. I mean, this is these are ghost stories, and I so know. right. So let, let's not try to be better than <laughs> Martin Bashir or whatever who's on Twenty Twenty. Okay, but the thing is, so let's keep talking about Latoya Ammons. All right, and you guys, you guys are getting a big dose of our editorialism in here too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we have to actually report. Sure. Right. <laughs> story. And, and, and this is taking exactly from the Indianapolis Star, which is a reputable newspaper where she did her original interviews and where this was originally covered. Um, so what happens is uh, her mother, Rosa Campbell, you know, she starts being freaked out about the flies and she thinks that's weird. But they're living in the place and everybody's got to live day to day. You know, everybody's got to people got to work. They got to go to school, do the whole thing. Um, what happens, though, is they start hearing footsteps coming from the basement. They check, no one's there. So they lock the door, too, into the basement, and they still scary. hear footsteps, and that starts being scary. Uh, Rosa Campbell wakes up in the middle of the night, sees a, a shadowy figure pacing her living room. She runs out, says she doesn't see anybody there, but does see wet boot prints in the living room. Uh. Okay? And then in 2012, in springtime, March 10th, so about six years ago, um, well... Something really crazy happens. It's two o'clock in the morning, and uh, Campbell and Ammons, so the mother and daughter, are still up because they're mourning the death of a, a friend. So one of their friends died, and what happens is they run into the the twelve year old's bedroom, the twelve year old granddaughter's bedroom, and they see she's levitating above the bed. Right? Hmm. Yeah. Sleeping, sleeping above the covers. Not the way you want to find your kid. Three. Feet above it's probably ergonomically things. awesome, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Levitating is sweet. I mean, Chris Angel, obviously, he, made, he made a whole career on that whole levitation on the sidewalk bit. Yeah. And so they start seeing that, and that freaks them out. The girl descends back to the bed, wakes up, and says she doesn't remember anything that happened. So the mother and the grandmother, they start seeing things, and the kids start acting funny. They start talking back. The seven-year-old starts talking to somebody who isn't there. You know, he says that he's talking to people. He's got imaginary friends and the imaginary friends are, are telling him scary things. They bring in some clairvoyance. And it's interesting that in the story, they don't use the term psychics. They use the term clairvoyance. Many times. Right. Clairvoyance. So clear vision means you can see things that other people can't see. You know, that's the whole, the whole, the meaning of the word clairvoyant. It's also a sweet song by Iron Maiden called the clairvoyant. Um, <laughs> the clairvoyants say that the house is besieged by more than 200 demons. So now... Again, quantifying. Oh, it always yeah. makes me suspicious. Yeah, like, one wonders how they all fit. How do they... Again, I want to know how they do roll call to like determine how many. And I, you know, I really think that if you're going to put 200 demons in a place, the devil should contribute to the heating bill because Indiana gets yeah. cold in the winter. Yeah, and the devil... <laughs> well, you, you think know? that place would be a lot warmer, actually. Right. Such a close connection to hell. Absolutely. <laughs> right. You know... Um, or even just like, he's like, you know what? I, I got some cots for everybody. <laughs> I love the roll call idea. Okay. Beelzebub. That is cozy though. Check. Ball, Has anybody check. seen Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> he's in the back. Yeah. And it's like the Waltons, but you know, like two, good night, Beelzebub. You know, I'm mom. But that's the thing. So they try to do the clairvoyance, suggest a whole, like the clearing with the sage, you know, the usual BS mm -hmm. that they tell you to do. I have a question about that. Yeah. Really quickly. Yes. In the article, it said that they took sage and sulfur. I've never heard of sulfur being used as, is that a common thing? Well, I've never heard of that either. Let's ask Allison. She's a, she's a clearer. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're mixing traditions. So uh, the sage comes from many Native uh, American groups use it, and uh, I teach at a Native American school, and we sage the classroom. And there, there's also other medicines. Uh, the four medicines are tobacco, sage, sweetgrass, and cedar. And um, is sweetgrass just pot? No, it's uh, it's really <laughs> awesome. Grass, man. Uh, I love sweetgrass. Uh, so is pot. <laughs> well, you would know, Mike. Uh, but, but hey, anyway, man. the sage and the cedar, uh, they both clear uh, out the negative, and the, the, the sweet grass brings in the positive. And the tobacco, mm. uh, you burn it uh, to pray. Uh, the smoke takes the the smoke takes your prayers to the crater. Um, 
And so, the creator is the Marlboro Man. So, <laughs> wasn't that that? It's sacred tobacco. Uh, anyway. Uh, it's um, not just cools. No, not cools. Uh, no menthol. But anyway, the sulfur, <laughs> um, I'm not sure exactly where that comes from, but I know that sulfur is associated with the devil, those sulfurous smells, which we talked about. Right, um, brimstone. In, mm-hmm. in our uh, previous episode with uh, Joshua Cutchin. Um, right, but but and I Mar- think Mary Marshall talked about it a lot too. That she's she the smell oh, of sulfur man. when she first met a demon when she was sixteen years old, right? Which yeah. led her down this path of darkness. Yeah. So I'm sorry. I know it's a small detail, but I was curious because it said they burned sage and sulfur throughout the house, and I'm like, that seems like I don't know, contradictory maybe. Or <laughs> do you <laughs> think maybe, maybe they just it's... wanted a free place to be as flatulent as they wanted? Oh, <laughs> they're like that's you know, a pretty far stretch. Well, you have we're gonna to really want that freedom we are gonna go to the olive garden and then we are gonna clear this house no i'm over at the uh hoodoofoundry.com right now okay and there's an article what can i do with sulfur and uh among there's uh get rid of debt keep the law away and uh but then one that might be specific uh you can keep specific enemies from opposing you so maybe that's why Mm. uh sulfur was their weapon of choice in this one and that's again in the world of hoodoo and it said when they did this, they the smoke was so thick they could hardly breathe. So they really, like, they were going for it. <laughs> and, you know, that's interesting, too, because uh, when you talk about mixing traditions, so you take the sage from mm-hmm. the Native American tradition, and then we take the hoodoo tradition, which is more of the um, American slave tradition, because yeah. there's hoodoo, which is what um, they had to hide uh, the animism, religion and stuff, and, and, and the rituals from the, the slaves had to hide that from the masters uh, in America, while in like the French colonies, the voodoo, they didn't have to hide it because they combined it with Catholicism. So uh, it's kind of cool that we have a, a mix of things here, uh, the hoodoo and the Native American tradition. Uh, yeah. the, the problem is, though, uh, none of it worked. But yeah. And it also, I mean, it sounds like they were just very desperate, you know, to get this out of their house. So they... Mm-hmm. It, even in the article, it said a lot of these things they found online. So they're probably like, okay, if we do this and this and this, these are all things that get rid of demons. So who they, knows what actual effect that might have. They were just trying everything. They went to yeah, exorcistmd.com. As you would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry to sidetrack the discussion. No, that's, no, that's good. Good one. Well, the thing is, is that they said some nights they had to go sleep in a hotel. And some of the things that, that start experiencing... Uh, youngest boy, seven years old. He sits in a closet, talks to his imaginary friend. Um, his imaginary friend is describing what it feels like to be killed. And that's the thing they're talking about, which is disturbing. Very uh, disturbing. The seven-year-old once flies out of the bathroom as if he'd been thrown. Uh, a headboard, like, smacks into the daughter, the 12-year-old. She, a wound that needs stitches. She talks about uh, feeling choked, held down so she couldn't speak or move. She said she heard a voice that said she'll never see her family again and she won't live another 20 minutes. So that they're, they're experiencing these things in the house. Like the house is, or the spirits in the house, the 200 demons are doing horrible things to them. They take it to their doctor, Dr. Jeffrey. Uh, oh, and I'm going to butcher this. Uh, <laughs> Onyukwu? Jeffrey Onyukwu? I, I can't say it right, so sorry, Jeffrey Onyukwu. But he says, like, he's like, this is bizarre. I've never heard anything like this in my life. He's still skeptical about everything. So when you talk about the people who started seeing things, like what happens is uh, Department of Child Services has to come in. Sure, yeah. So it looks, the, sounds like it's a, a child abuse case. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, my, my kid needs stitches because the demon did it to her. Yeah. Hmm, that's a, that's a good one. Uh, and also kids acting out, you know, just behaving, like talking about, I know what it feels like to die and stuff like that. That's just it, behaviorally. Yeah, absolutely. Suspicious. Yeah. And I have to say, so if you guys out there in, in podcast land haven't gone on a lot of ghost investigations or don't know too much about it, I think the, the one of my friends best put it was that he used to go on a whole bunch of these ghost investigations. And in the end, he quit because it was too sad for him. He had a criminal justice degree. And he said the whole thing was too sad because he kept on going to these places. And he goes, the real issue here is not some kind of spiritual invasion. The real issue is here is that the parents are abusing the kids. Mm. And he said that was in, in case after case to eventually he was like, he stopped believing in ghosts for a long time. 
and and so this believing in humanity (laughs) right he just he stopped believing in the human spirit uh, on either side of the veil and so in the medical notes the doctor is writing about this dr arnie career um he writes delusions of ghost in the home you know hallucinations so he's treating this whole thing as a psychiatric issue well what happens next is that the kids end up going to the hospital where they're going to visit this doctor and he the doctor thinks it's crazy but while they're at the hospital is the whole thing where the youngest boy is lifted he's thrown into the wall with nobody touching him and then he climbs the wall and backwards. people see it right he climbs the wall so backwards. gary so he moonwalks yeah. the wall nice yes <laughs> right? Gary's well, the article said that he was holding his grandma's hand when it happened and he kind of went backwards up the wall and over her and like landed on his feet so this is crazy i mean this is yeah. like the first part of the article where you really are like okay there's other witnesses besides the family the direct family bingo that are attesting to this right that this kid is jackie chan and but we've, we've <laughs> talked um in the past again about those four signs of possession and this seems to be perhaps one of them uh the supernatural strength or you know supernatural feats uh type of um sign uh, right from so, the four so here's, a, here's the four signs of possession knowing the unknowable uh, that's where you know something. There's no possibility you can know it. Understanding unlearned languages. So if somebody speaks to me in Swahili, I could understand exactly what they're saying. Or speak it. Right. I'd be throwing it out there with the clicks and everything. Aversion <laughs> to sacred objects. They see crosses, holy water, things like that. And supernatural strength. So you don't have to have all the signs for the church to think you're authentically demonically possessed. But three out of four... Uh, you can't really fake it. If you have three out of four, the chances are that the priest thinks you can't really fake it. And that's what happens when they go uh, to see Father Mike Machino. And he even does an exorcism on Latoya. He does several exorcisms with the family. And in the movie, they talk about this too, because Mike Machino is uh, featured several times in the movie. And, all over that movie. <laughs> right. But he starts saying the weird things happen to him, that he's mysteriously thrown off his bike. And they do a reenactment in the film, too, which is, <laughs> we'll get there, um, about the film's quality reenactments. They are really good. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, like, he does this, you know, and he gets, like, thrown off his bike. He also says that he's looking up some different demon names. And I don't know if he says this in the movie, but he talked about this when he did the interview at the Chicago Ghost Conference on Friday night in 2015. He mentioned that like when he reached a certain page that had a certain demon's name, uh, the computer turned off, the printer started acting funny, you know, and I, I could have told him that Windows 95 was unreliable. <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the real thing is he's like, he's like the computer started freaking out. So the demon started having an effect on the technology. And he goes in and he's doing an interview with Dave Schrader, uh, Darkness Dave from Darkness Radio. You guys, if you listen to this podcast, you probably have heard it. Now beyond the darkness. Now beyond the dark. That's right. And uh, Darkness Day is a really, I mean, he's a, such a great MC and a funny guy. <laughs> and, but he's doing the interview. And so the next night, it's funny, we're at Chet's Melody Lounge and Dave and I are sucking down $4 Lagunitas. And we, we start chatting and I'm like, hey, Dave, um, you know that demon that the father was talking about? You guys were acting all scared and everything. I'm like, you can tell me his name. Uh, Mike. <laughs> I'm like you can just you can just tell that you can just tell that name to me. I'm like I'm not scared. Like you can tell me that demon's name. Go and, for it. Like, You're trying and, to fly him with alcohol. Absolutely. And he's like he's like, come on, give no. it up, Dave. You know you want to. Right. He's like, no way. He's like, I don't know, man. Um, I can't talk about it. I I can't even say that name. I'm too scared. And I'm really? like, You're, for real? Like, yeah, like I'm sitting there, I'm poking on him for like ten minutes, and Darkness well, Dave was like, "Nope." If there's a lesson to be learned here, you can trust Darkness Dave with your secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I know he won't spill through that uh, through the threat of damnation. At least, yeah, <laughs> right. The thing is, though, you know, they all go through this exorcism and stuff because the kids are really acting out. Like the seven year old even says things. You know, he's like, "It's time to die. I will kill you." 
And um, it says their eyes are bulging out and they're doing these creepy, like, demonic grins and stuff. Like, imagine that. Oh, yeah. And, kids. and the Chilling. older brother starts headbutting his grandma. Yeah. Like, whoever headbutted their grandma? <laughs> like, that's got to be the devil. Um, <laughs> okay, so a- according to the original uh, Department of Child Services report, and this is an account corroborated by uh, the nurse as well as the... Uh, you know, the, the child services worker who was there, the social worker who was there, and she's interviewed in Demon House too. So she even says like, oh yeah. He interviews her over Skype. So obviously he had a big budget for the movie. Um, he said the nine-year-old had a weird grin, walked backward up a wall to the ceiling. He then flipped over Campbell, the grandmother, landing on his feet, and he never let go of his grandmother's hand. So everybody corroborates this incredible gymnastic move and i think that was the first thing that made me think like okay there's something here and uh so it's continued demonic activity and eventually you know father uh magano i don't even know if i'm saying it right but it's spelled m-a-g-i-n-o-t um you know he does the exorcisms and he even says like the exorcism isn't effective until it's in latin right yeah that's right yep yeah they did like three of them in the the third one he did in latin i think well and And we said it we know, you know, from our exorcism research that exorcism is not a magic bullet. I mean, it's not that you do it one time and, oh, you're done. Uh, people who uh, have been demonically possessed uh, will often have to be, um, have exorcisms uh, for the rest of their lives. You know, it's like gets better and then it kind of comes back. And so it's, it's not a one shot deal. Ever. It's like going to a Tony Robbins seminar. Like that first couple of weeks, you feel great. <laughs> but you got to keep going back in order to keep that same feeling. You keep walking over them hot coals. It, well, no, the reason I'm saying that, it, it's like why they have church every week. You know, if you're a religious person, you don't go to church one time and then like, okay, that's it. You know, God, I, I got God. We're good. Like there's a reason that they repeat these things. Right. Humans seem to need that kind of uh, repetitive habit. Yeah, it's a to, process. It's a journey. It's it's not you yeah. know oh you're done. It's yeah, and and I don't think we should expect it to be because like you said, Mike, you know, and other things in life, you know, that's that's the way it is. So it's it's not different with exorcism. Absolutely, and the um, devil never stops. <laughs> <laughs> the devil don't quit, yo. But you know, also if we continue talking about this honestly with the with the kids. Further on in the Indianapolis Star, they talk about a clinical psychologist who interviews the youngest son, and she goes, the boy only acts possessed when he's challenged, redirected, or asked questions he doesn't want to answer. Mm. He seems mm. coherent and logical, except when he talks about demons. And his stories change every time he told them. And so she doesn't think they're psychotic or anything. She just thinks that... That they're kids and they play you. <laughs> For, right, some kind of, anything anything that, that can be used against you will be used. And there's some kind of delusion going on, you know? But the police come to the home. Um, police officers think that something weird's going on. Uh, there's also a police captain in Gary, Indiana, Charles Austin. And he's the guy in the video. Uh, he's like the bald guy that talks about after he visits the house, he's driving away and his radio starts getting messed with and starts hearing weird things. The seat starts going back and forth on its own. And then he hears a voice say, who in there? <laughs> and, it, and it comes to the radio. And, you know, there's a great, there's a Gawker article actually uh, from 2014 that says police, local police confirm this house is haunted by demons. Hmm. So you think about Gawker in 2014. This is the leading tabloid of the internet. You know, millions of views every single day. And uh, the leading tabloid of the internet is talking about that this house, because the local police, because Charles Austin, uh, who's featured extensively in Demon House, and he actually is probably the most entertaining part about Demon say, House. He's awesome. He, I might go as him for Halloween. <laughs> he's, a, he's a star. Like, yeah. he really, he's a star. Um, is who in there a meme now? Because oh, if, it's not, if there's not, maybe after, maybe we'll make it. If yeah. not, it's a me, it's a meme in the sunspot van. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, even in the movie, the other police officers, 
Yeah. You know, when they go near the house and they don't want to go in and then they start swearing, like <laughs> swearing yeah. at the storm. You got to bulldoze that MF down. <laughs> Some people think that Z- because those police were after hours, they, they think that Zach had paid them to say those lines. Really? That was that was one place I read online that said that because huh. the Hammond, Indiana police chief. I mean, he's also featured in the movie. He's the guy that took that ghostly photo. There's a, there's a photo from the house and it looks like there is a white shadow like seen in one of the in one of the windows. And it's pretty good. I mean, it's it could be periodola when you're you're seeing what looks like a person. Periodolia or um, per- Drexing. Periodolia. Yes. Um, I already had my five dollar word today with uh, verisimilitude. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so so you're gonna rack up some debt now. <laughs> you got your quota. I only get two a day. <laughs> um, what eventually happens. The family moves out. Things start dying down. Uh, the next renters in there don't see the same thing. Then. Uh, after the renters are in there, Zach Baggins buys the house. Sight unseen. <laughs> and I was really, when I first heard about this story, I'm like, oh, Zach Baggins just bought this house? Like, sight unseen? Like, that's amazing. And it sounds really impressive until you find he bought the house for $35,000. I think we should have bought the house. Come on. Yeah. It's amazing some ghost hunting group didn't buy it. I right. Know, I mean, that's, right? The price was right. We got to it before we could. It's only 35000 And this is actually one of the reasons that the Skeptical Inquirer uh, who wrote a whole story about the 200 Demons House. And this is before the Demon House movie came. Um, they write it in 2014. They have a whole story on like debunking the, uh, this kind of phenomena and, and the demonic possession. One of the reasons that they don't find a lot of truth in the, these stories is because the people before and the people after have no stories going on. And even in the movie, Zach goes and there's some squatters living in the house mm-hmm. when he shows up. Um, and he's like, what are you doing in my house? And <laughs> Come at me, no, bro. He, <laughs> you got it. You got, Come on. The ghost in there? I'm coming in. Uh, let me at him. I'll splat him. Who in there? <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, the, um, the squatters are like, yeah, it's not really haunted. Well, until he brought some money out and then all of a sudden. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I got some realized, stories I could tell you. Yeah. He's talking to the Zach back. Right. Yeah. All right. And so let's talk about Demon House, okay? Yeah. Let's just let's just get it out there. If you guys have not seen Demon House yet, <laughs> if you didn't get our warning in the beginning, it basically is a ninety-minute version of Ghost Adventures. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and and they warn you. They do warn you. You got to give it to them there that they warn you that um, watching, you know, watching this this movie could result in your possession. <laughs> I mean, right? Be- because you're putting yourself at risk by watching this film. That's yeah. right. It, it says right there that, you know, you, hey, we're just telling you, you could be possessed by, you know, through electronic devices. Hint, hint. They don't want to be held liable. Your TV, your computer, <laughs> your phone and, that you're watching this movie on. And that's straight out of William Castle. Yeah, I was going to you know, say, it's like idea. the old days where you got to sign the releases to go see the movies. Yeah. It's like, just make sure you know. Watch at your own risk, brother. <laughs> that's right. And, uh, and the whole, like, cursed storyline comes right in the intro with the obligatory f-bomb of course and well it is on the big screen now so you can say the f-word as much as you want yeah yeah well i was i was like uh you know just just to see him you know walking in the distance muscles bristling a man, a man challenged by the supernatural. And, and I was just thinking, you know, he, he was like, oh, this really, you know, this is the one. I, I thought this would be a good idea. I didn't know, you know, and the whole cursed story, storyline. I'm like, guess who's a cursed man? Oh, it's Zach. Right. Of course, Zach Baggins is. I mean, he's always going for. This is the one case that really effed me up. And <laughs> That's right. It really, and he's hanging out with his crew, and his crew looks like, um, like he picked them up at uh, like the local truck stop. I was gonna say the circus went out of business. Oh, so, you, know. <laughs> you guys, come on! No, really, I'm just kidding. He went to the county fair, yeah. and whoever was operating the gravitron, he's like, "You're coming with me." Well, you obviously understand physics if you're operating the gravitron, so. <laughs> Well, you don't. That's the kind of scientist yeah. we need. You don't have to dress like a New York businessman to, to explore and invite. Exactly, yeah. exactly. No. So that's, I don't think their looks are and, necessarily relevant. To and that. plus, when you say to somebody who wants to spend their winter vacation in Gary, yeah. Indiana, you're not going to get the cream of the crop. Yeah. I get it. So he goes and he buys the house silent scene for the princely sum of $35,000. 
and um and then and he the kicks horror the horror ensues and the, he kicks the squatter out so he goes to the movie they do a little bit of investigation he can't talk to latoya ammons mm-hmm. so he goes to the house and he can't even talk to the like i thought we would have the whole family in there like the kids oh, would yeah, be in there the and primary everything. characters in the story right and this might be why he like maybe he gave up on trying to make the movie good because he's like, I can't even get the people involved. We don't have to feel bad for Zach Baggins. He's got a freaking no, no, no. But he, there were other things that, I mean, he he tried to talk to everybody else around the family that you know experienced, yes, and he, he was able to. So he did. But you find out when you get in that, like in the first twenty minutes, you find out that the family has like sold their rights to the story. Yeah, they're out, so they can only talk. To, <laughs> they're done. So. Uh, he goes to the house and you see him like hang out in the house. And it may be if he dressed up in a suit or something like it did not show up in like the hat and the sunglasses <laughs> oh, and on. wearing wearing gloves with freaking skeleton hands on him. <laughs> like, he's in Hollywood. The, like he's in the Cobra Kai yeah. from Karate Kid. <laughs> he's wearing these hands. And then, you know, they're like, no, we're not going to do it. We're, you know, the, the, nobody's going to talk to him except the brother. Yeah. Yeah. That's hard. I mean, as as somebody who, you know, tries to drill down and talk to the witnesses, I mean, it, it can be really hard, you know, because of fear of ridicule, all, all these different things, um, you know, but th- maybe the she, fact that, that it's not true. I mean, I don't know. People are reluctant to talk about these things, sadly. Yeah. But they're not. A, they're not afraid of ridicule. They've already talked to the Indianapolis Star. Like they've already. And they. They. Yeah. They well, made all the uh, psychological reports and all those things available to the yeah. uh, press to evaluate. So they in the article they're talking about how she was particularly forthright with all that information. Whereas usually in a case like this, <laughs> people keep it zipped behind lock and key. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, in this case, uh, she sold their story, right? You're, that's what you said, Mike. So that's what else. he said. Because they go, "Oh, th- is there money involved?" And the brother's like. Yeah, money's <laughs> Yeah, they're talking with another producer. Yeah. And so it seemed to me as though they were trying to make it look like, well, they didn't want to talk to us because they didn't want to talk to anyone like who had been in the house recently. Because they said that they kicked the brother out of the house at the end because he had like shaken hands with Zach who had been in the house and they didn't want anything, you know, they didn't want him bringing the bad spirits back. But oh, I yeah. kind of had the impression that it was more about the... Uh, the contract. They and, probably have a signed contract. And that's something a little surprising to see out of some uh, Zach production because he there's a whole chapter of, hey, is this whole thing a hoax and is it all financially fueled? And it's kind of funny to uh, unusual to see that side come up and actually presented well that, you know, we're going in with a skeptical mindset to some extent. And he, he, he presents that possibility and kind of allows us all to soak that in a bit. And you see how fueled by money and the idea that hey we could be the next conjuring uh a lot of the parties involved yeah. are including the squatters who are like <laughs> well what have you seen here well i'm not going to say anything until there's an agreement like are you kidding me you're squatting in my home <laughs> right. right this guy has no legal like zach can have him arrested and this guy is trying to negotiate yeah. the rights to his yeah. story yeah. yeah he's like have you seen anything well once we have a contract, I'll tell you some stories. Like, I'll tell you what but I saw. Who's, like, what? Who's, who's this guy? The guy that doesn't have a house has a yeah, lawyer? Exactly. Get out of here. <laughs> but getting back to the, you know, the, the not being able to talk to the family thing. Yeah, that would have been extremely <laughs> nice to see. In the, in right. The that's the first thing. Like, hey, like maybe Zach should have thought of that before he started the movie. Well, on that note, unlike all the Ghost Adventures episodes, uh, Jeff Blanger was not the historian researcher on this one. Usually Jeff is the one that right. goes oh, and yeah. lines up so much in advance. And of course, you can listen to a previous podcast episode that was awesome that you guys did with him. But yeah, I, I looked it up and Jeff was not involved with this one. Neither was Dave Schrader, who's also involved, Darkness Dave, that is, who's usually involved with the, the more recent Ghost Adventures episodes. So I think the the lack of the research department maybe showed in this this aspect. Oh yeah, well I think Zach wanted to do the whole thing himself. Like that's when he's like directed by Zach Baggins, a Zach Baggins production, a Zach Baggins movie. I mean, he's basically uh, Orson Welles. Zach Baggins. Well, it was his <laughs> house. Yeah. Yeah. He is, and I'm a he cursed, is the, cursed man. And look at if, these biceps. Uh, yeah, right. If that's the Orson <laughs> Welles of paranormal yeah. reality TV, but this this is what we got, friends. Yeah. But I have to say, he uh, did put his money where his mouth is when he locked himself in there overnight. He did like that. He did. And <laughs> it was like okay. Alone, completely alone. So let's let's set up things. We're watching Demon House, and we're in Austin, Texas. 
and we're staying at our, our friend's house in Austin during South by Southwest. And uh, just to set it up a thing here, it's a Sunday night and we're all looking for something to do because the, um, the, the main portion of the music festival is over. And we're like, let's watch Demon House. And Wendy Scott and I are there and everybody else is not a weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> so we have, we have to make them, we have to like say like, okay, this is why we want to watch Demon House. And uh, they're like, okay, that, that might be fun. So there's another band there. There's our, our patron Vic who appeared on the episode to tell us about the Midget Mansion in San Antonio right. <laughs> um, a couple of years back. And so we're all hanging out. We're like, okay, let's make this fun, and let's make a Demon House drinking mm. game. And so what were, that, what were the rules in the Demon House drinking game? Well, any uh, really crazy cutaway B-roll type shot that's just extreme for no reason, that was uh, take a drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> take a drink whenever Zach does anything particularly douchebaggy. Uh, how are you guys still alive we, we made well, it about 19 was, minutes before we needed uh, the next round well and in full disclosure <laughs> we're trying to in full disclosure i did fall asleep not once but twice it was it was alcohol poisoning mo- like yeah. <laughs> i had to re-watch the movie like three times to get through the whole thing so whenever somebody said something ridiculous and nobody challenged it <laughs> yeah Oh yeah, there was, was you the know re- rule. replaying uh, evidence uh, an absurd amount of times. Yeah. That's you know, might as well drink your way through that. Whenever, um, whenever Zach gets possessed, or if something happens and he's like, "I feel this, I feel it in me," um, you had to finish your glass, <laughs> and that was the point. The problem is that every twenty minutes we kept having to yeah. refill because there was always something <laughs> ridiculous. Like, so when so, did you call nine one one for alcohol poisoning? <laughs> <laughs> we made it. We made it to the end. Um, to tell you the truth, though, the parts of the movie that I thought were really good, I think that Mike Maginot, I don't know about you guys, but he seems kind of like, he seems like a nice enough guy, and he's obviously intelligent, um, but I think he likes being famous. Yeah. Am I alone in that? No, I, I, I think, you know, people get a little bit of attention, their 15 minutes of fame, yeah. and I think, you know, that that's hard to to say, you know, how... Anybody would react, but he—he he is a Catholic priest, right? The—the the actual Roman Catholic priest, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So no, he's a Catholic priest. So was his exorcism sanctioned by the Vatican? Yeah, they show that in the movie. Okay, I'm he sorry like, about he like, that. I like to fall asleep. He says something in, they're like, "Oh yeah, do that exorcism." In the article, though, there was uh, it said um, Maginot said Melzek had another Melzek must be the. Bishop Dale Mel- okay, he wrote a report detailing his findings <laughs> and asking Bishop Dale Melzek's permission to perform an exorcism on Ammons. Maginot said Melzek had never authorized an exorcism in 21 years as a bishop of the Diocese of Gary. Debbie Bosack, a director of communications for the diocese, said she cannot comment on whether Melzek has ever approved an exorcism for confidentiality reasons. In general, she said such an action would require a bishop's approval. Melzek initially denied Maginot's request to do a church-sanctioned exorcism, Maginot said. The bishop told Maginot to contact other priests who have performed exorcisms. Maginot said he needed other priests to give him the ritual for a minor exorcism, which did not require church approval. So he basically went online. The priests he consulted told him to look it up on the internet. So to me, that's saying like he didn't get the approval and he just went and found a thing on the internet. That same day, uh, he said he did a quote, intense blessing on the Carolina Street home to expel bad spirits. The same day he performed a minor exorcism on Ammons, the ritual consisted of prayers, statements, and appeals to cast out demons. But it doesn't sound like it was an actual official exorcism. From from okay. what I'm reading Father here Ma- in this article. Father Malachi Martin would be very disappointed. <laughs> yes. Well, well, yeah, you, you have to get the approval of the bishop. But yeah, um, you know, from doing research in that area, it you know, it's very, very hard. Yeah to find any information because they do keep it confidential right. as, as far uh, as when and, things were approved. And maybe they should because you're basically asking them to perform some kind of intensely, for most people, some kind of intensely psychological right. um, ritual on someone. And uh, they shouldn't just do that willy-nilly. This is in the Middle Ages and uh, Catholics have learned to be careful yes. um, because they do not have the impunity that they had in previous generations. Well, here's something else that made me a little suspicious, perhaps. Listen, Wendy, coming in with her big skeptic back. I know bat I am, but listen around. to this. this. This was a really good article. So 
after doing that minor ritual, the one I found on the internet, <laughs> sorry, but an, um, an intense blessing. Magino told Ammons to look up the names of demons that were tormenting her. Each demon has a name and personality, he said. A name has power, the priest added, and he planned to use those names to fight the demons during the exorcisms. So Ammons said she and a friend looked up the demons' names online. So they're like sitting on the computer, it's Googling demon names. And they're Googling, like, which demons are the ones that possess kids? Which demons are the ones that, you know, and representing the problems the family had been having? This just doesn't sound particularly legitimate right. to me as far as, like, from the Catholic <laughs> exorcism if standpoint. If you're, just, if you're just Googling demons. But that, that was the part that yeah. really made me suspicious. And Allison, you know, you bring up a great point when you ask. And yes, we don't have that information because it's confidential, but based on what the researcher for this article is reporting to me, it doesn't sound like there's much of a leg to stand on there. Yeah. No. The other thing we also talk about just access to the house being some kind of like a demonic portal thing, like the people that had lived there before that had no problems and it wasn't weird at all. They revisit it with Zach. And then all of a sudden that girl has an issue. Like there's a teenage girl that has an issue and she needs to be exercised. Or, well, she needs to have an intense right, blessing exactly. yep. in order for her to feel better. And that family seems really nice until that girl had yeah. the thing. And then my disbelief meter started. Yep, same here. They did seem nice. The kids were cute and everything. And they're like, wait, we can get attention? And right. Zach Baggins will probably buy us. Zach, he'll keep buying us dinner. Yeah, it doesn't sound official. It doesn't sound like, uh, you know, because we know that the Catholic Church will use... Um, you know, working uh, psychiatrists uh, to uh, determine whether an actual possession is going on. So it, it's more than than just looking for the four signs of possession. We know that we have um, maybe, maybe two. I don't know if we have anything more than that. Um, but, you know, it doesn't sound like anybody was brought in like a, a psychiatrist and uh, you know you know the, the the people that were did see the family had doubts about it right you 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 were saying yes uh you know one psychiatrist or psychologist expressed doubts or sa- said that you know well, that, that, that wasn't a psych- that wasn't a psychiatrist it was a well, physician oh that was the physician okay so the thing is what i think we should get to though is what do you think was the best evidence? So we've been pretty hard on Zach so far. And I mean, that's because it's a, <laughs> yes, it's a long, e- it's a, it's a long episode of ghost adventures. It's not cinematic whatsoever. I paid 10 bucks to watch a <laughs> Thanks, movie Mike. that I probably could watch, that I could probably watch for free on the travel channel or whatever in a mm. year. And so uh, instead of just a money grab, which I'm not saying it was a money grab, but he's got to make that 35 grand back somehow. Let's talk about what he did find that was good. So what were the positive aspects of it besides the fact that we got a really good buzz on by minute 22? <laughs> well, one of my favorite things was, this isn't evidence, but I, I like that we are introduced to the story through kind of home video from police officers, from DCFS agents, cell phone video. Like we get to kind of walk in with these initial people. And it's, it was really cool to see that kind of footage. I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, first responders, Mm -hmm. uh, we know that, you know, first responders sometimes come on a lot of strange things and have stories to tell. So, you know, that that makes you feel like you're part of the story. Okay. Wendy, what did you think was positive? Okay. I like the part where (laughs) Zach stayed overnight in the house. Because regardless of not being able to talk to the family and whatever, you have this place with all these stories you have complete unrestricted access to it. So right, you own the you house. Own right. So get in there, get the tools out. And, you know, I thought it was really cool. And I respected the fact that he went in there overnight alone and he had him like nail, you know, the plywood to the windows and everything. And they like, locked him in. And they like a five minute it sequence was unnecessary, of him looking at every boarded window. But, you know, that would be really scary. And while he was in there, there were some sounds and some visual anomalies that were really terrifying. (laughs) And that's what I wanted really to see. However, well, I'll I'll wait. I'll I'll save my skepticism until you share. So best part of the whole thing was him staying overnight. The investigation with Barry Pav, 
I thought was uh, pretty good from, you know, oh, he was yeah. a parapsychologist that yeah. was involved and in in, made famous in the 1970s with the entity. I thought that the investigation was pretty interesting with him mm -hmm. and he was seeming like like getting some kind of activity and he was feeling weird. So Barry Path had uh, some kind of thing. And then had organ, Bar oh, Barry Taft. Yes. Sorry, I say Path. <laughs> uh, he had organ failure, you know, soon afterwards and they tried to blame that on the demon house because it's unexplicable organ failure that an old man has investigating strange houses that might have carbon fricking monoxide well, exactly. in them. Yeah, um, we should talk more was, about that in a little yeah. bit. So I thought that was a that was a pretty good like an investigation with a guy who's not a a a, a joker. Mm -hmm. Like he wasn't some dude who had like a super long beard or whatever. I just like that just like walked in. It's like, well, I'm also in a death metal band, yeah. but I investigate <laughs> ghosts. Well, you know, again, like it's a guy the appearances, who, I don't think that's You're right. Absolutely. <laughs> Barry, I appreciate the fact that Barry Taft went to college. Yeah, and yeah. he's ha he's uh, been the he's headed the UCLA parapsychology department for decades, and, and one of the maybe the first or second in the country. So he, he's a very credible yeah. individual. He's and got the credentials. Yeah, he's you know as they mentioned so, get it, get in it. it the the entity case, but he's really been involved with uh, tons of really amazing uh, stories on, on the west side of the country here. So that was good to have him. Like that was, I like that you're bringing in an expert that's not a reality TV mm -hmm. guy. Number one, that's good. Number two, he spends the night alone and he's got the video camera. And what's the best yes. thing he sees the whole time? Because the rest, the rest of it could just be in your head. The rest of it could just be anything. And the, let's not talk about the dramatic reenactments. <laughs> like he could have picked, he, he could have got like indie horror directors to do the dramatic reenactments. Instead, he does it himself. And it looks like Unsolved Mysteries has a younger brother yeah. <laughs> with a newer camera like yeah. like right it was like it was, unsolved mysteries had a younger brother who like had to repeat eighth grade three times and that's what we have uh so let's not talk about the dramatic reenactments because they're a freaking joke i liked them but um <laughs> i mean they're fun but okay so he's in the house he's in the house he starts getting some pain in his head you know he starts getting that like the the headaches and he's like, oh man, it's going crazy. Eyes. And he starts hearing something in he's hearing something in the distance. And uh they cut to the uh night camera of the Paris Hilton footage, and all of a sudden the camera goes out of focus and you see a shadow walk past. Yeah, it was scary. That's the best yep, thing we've seen. Was. Like there, there's a shadow right. walking past an out of focus camera. Now, is that worth thirty five thousand dollars? I don't mm -hmm. know, but is it something pretty cool? Like that was the best that thing we've evidence. seen. And then they kind of go past that. Zach's like the pain in my eyes. He like he throws the TV and he hulks yeah. out and he's like, <laughs> oh man, he's like Colin Farrell at the end of the True Detective season and when he does all the cocaine and you know he runs around and goes nuts. And then as soon as he's done with his freak out, he's like, we got to burn this place down. And then they, you know, they uh, demolish it in 2016. So we can't even investigate anymore. Zach Baggins can't even sell it at a profit at 36. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But he did retain the, you know, pieces of it in the dirt so that he can put them in his museum. His museum. Yeah. So. So it was all, it was a 90 minute trailer for come visit this in Vegas. <laughs> so I did think that was the best part was seeing that, okay, he got some kind of footage. Yeah, I, that shadow's a real thing. And the thing. audio was too. The audio was scary. The the stuff that he heard in there, especially yeah. yeah. But however, just bringing it back around, and you know, I hate to be the skeptic all the time, but please do. They did have a guy who inspected the house and confirmed in the documentary that the furnace was probably leaking, could be leaking carbon monoxide, that there was black mold in the attic, that could be you know particles in the air and throughout the whole house. And so to me, it just all these people getting sick, which they used as the argument to tear the place down because it's, you know, it's so dangerous. It's making people sick. Well, yeah, because it's toxic. It's actual physical poison in the air. You know, I just kept seeing yeah. one after the next. And I'm like, whether it's psychological or physical, people were being affected. And maybe it was demon or ghost. But really, if there's carbon monoxide and. I know, Allison, that you've brought this up before as an awareness kind of thing that it, uh, seeing ghosts. Yeah, because 
It could be a reason uh, for people's experience of a supposed haunting. You know, when when you get these head headaches and you know you're dizzy, and maybe you think you heard something, or you get these weird physical sensations, or you even see hallucinations. Those can all be caused by carbon monoxide poisoning, and the awareness is of that is not great. It, it, you know, people think immediately that it's paranormal. Well, if that starts happening to you, hey, you know, carbon monoxide poisoning can be fatal. So sure. do check your carbon monoxide uh, detector. Uh, you know, you know, do make sure it's working. Didn't carbon monoxide kill people we know? Oh, I don't know Allison. about that. Okay, so a couple of our cousins married into a family that like 12 kids. Oh, yeah. And they had... Like somebody's sister or something like that lived in Madison. They were living in Milwaukee. Somebody's sister lived in Madison and they had six kids of their own. But the parents died of like carbon monoxide poisoning in their house. That's terrible. I I did not recall that. Both parents died. And so then the kids ended up having to move in. So it wasn't just eight is enough. It was 18 is enough. Yeah, so um, you got to watch out for that. It happens mean, all the time, too. You know, it's really sad. And, yeah, and, people, and people die of that stuff. If you're like, why does everybody keep getting sick? And you can cause flu-like symptoms as well. Um, you know, please, please check uh, and, and get a carbon monoxide detector or, you know, call, um, you know, your power company. Have somebody come in and check it out. You know, who are you going to call? <laughs> you know, not, not, uh, not Ghostbusters. <laughs> well, Allison thinks it's carbon monoxide. I think it's freaking Satan. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe it was caused by Satan. <laughs> but that's why I like the on. physical or the sorry, the evidence that Zach found on his overnight because like all of the other things were just anecdotal, like you got it sick. Could be interpreted, yeah. Right. Sure. But when we saw it on the camera, we saw the shadow go by, it's like, oh, okay, it wasn't just in his head. <laughs> Yeah, and there there were little bits of EVPs captured throughout as well, including from the some of that original footage of the um, you know the DCFS agents going in and, and getting an odd little voice here or there on on their cell phones, and they're definitely not looking for that kind of a thing. So right. something like that pops up. That's interesting to me. So yeah, I'm just looking at CO. Uh, you know, nausea, dizziness, headache, uh, obviously vomiting. So when you talk about like you know, feeling overwhelmed by and suddenly sick. Okay, it's not so sudden. Uh, but yeah, the mold is maybe more mm. in line with the hallucinatory illusions that you could, if you have prolonged exposure to, cause all sorts of psychosis. Uh, pretty interesting article here on the National Post about how many haunted houses might just have mold infestations. Yeah. Well, and I think the demon house might be yeah. one of them. So it might have been a good move uh, for him to tear it down because it's an actual public health hazard. Yes. So I think we should close by talking about is Demon House worth watching? So what, let's go around the horn. If you guys had to spend five bucks to see Demon House, let's say you have to pay movie prices, but just five bucks, who would pay five bucks to see Demon House? Allison. No, I, I don't watch the paranormal shows <laughs> at all. So, okay. yeah, I don't watch Ghost Adventures. I, I, I don't watch any of the other paranormal shows. Um, yeah, I prefer my actual reality rather than okay. reality TV. So, Wendy, no. Wendy, five bucks for okay, the Okay, well, I don't watch very much of that stuff either, but I, I totally would pay five bucks to see it again. Just to be able to see the inside of the house and some of the actual eyewitnesses hearing what they said, worth it. Hmm. Interesting, Scott. Uh, as somebody who does watch Ghost Adventures, I would just watch Ghost Adventures uh, and not pay the five bucks. Mike, I would definitely pay five bucks to see that, but I would sneak in a bottle of Jim Beam <laughs> just is. so that you could play the drinking. Yeah, game we did find the right way to watch be it. Like, I got bombed with dragons. <laughs> like, I got after ghost five bombed. minutes. <laughs> so we didn't even talk about the goat man. Yeah. Um, which the I mean maybe the better like the less said about the goat man and like his his cameraman freaking out and and seeing something there's, strange in the elevator. Let's just say there's plenty for people to find on their own if they choose to go see it. Yeah. So we were actually just talking about the interesting parts of the movie. We didn't even talk about the goat man and whoever made that goat man costume. Have you guys ever seen Dragnet with oh, no. uh, Tom Hanks and Dan Aykroyd? Oh, yeah. 
<laughs> like there's that whole scene with Pagan, the people yeah. against goodness yeah. and normalcy, where they dress up in goat leggings and people like I yeah, think I pay five bucks. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Allison, we got I we got Allison's too. five bucks. But I I think that Zach bought that Goatman costume from like the old dragnet <laughs> costuming department because that's what the Goatman looks like. What uh, I think. Was Christopher Plummer wearing that head in the movie? I can't remember because it's been like 10 years since I've seen it. But the thing is, uh, the less said about the Coatman, the better. But it's it's one of the stupider aspects of the film. But he did get some cool evidence uh, that's worth watching. So is that $5 of your time? Uh, if you like Zach Baggins, it is. It is. And you can have a good time watching it. So uh, Demon House gets... Three out of four recommendations for, or actually two out of four recommendations 50, for, 50. for $5. Zero from Allison. And Scott says, wait for TV. And next time, Zach, use a movie camera. Like, it's like you're not poor. Like, is, is, is fil- film is expensive. But we're not um, shooting on it anymore. But you couldn't. <laughs> or you could at least shut on, like, at least real digital video because it looks like a video thing. But anyway. Thank you very much, Scott and Allison, yes, for joining thank us. You guys. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thank you for, thank for you. spending some time in the demon house with us. And and the thing is, Wendy, I think we need to go rock. We do. And I think we need to. I think <laughs> we, we need to go rock and roll rock. straight. Rock. Straight to. And, it's and, and, and rock. So, and here's a song this week. Welcome to the demon house. Welcome to the demon house. for listening to today's episode. You can find us online at othersidepodcast.com. Until next time, see you on the other side. Hey, thanks for listening. And a great special thanks to all of the members of the Sunspot and see you on the other side Patreon community, the people who help us keep this going, keep it rolling, and a special shout out to Dr. Ned, a Patreon at a level where he gets his own custom shout every single episode. Thank you, Ned. If you'd like to join our community and become part of the hangouts we do each month and receive special releases of music and heads up on upcoming topics, have a say in some of those topics, please visit othersidepodcast.com slash donate. Thanks again for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next week. Who in there?